Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Global OCD Warriors Conference. It's such an honor to have each and every one of you here today. Thank you to our speakers, and thank you to our sponsors as well. And now at this time, I welcome our Master of Ceremonies, Dr. Lakeisha James. She's the CEO and founder of Designer Events by Lakeisha, and she is speaking today. Grateful to have you here today, Dr. James. Thank you, Gigi. So again, welcome to the Global OCD Warriors Conference. I am your Master of Ceremonies, Dr. Lakeisha James. I will be speaking at the, at the keynote. I'm very excited about that. Tonight, we will hear from some speakers on OCD. That is the acronym for Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. Some of you may already experience this disorder and some of you may have symptoms. Grab your pen and pad and let's take some notes. At the end of this event, you will be more educated. So let's get started. I'd like to introduce you our host, Rajaline Sabat. She's a motivational keynote speaker, award-winning author, life coach, first-generation Haitian American, the host of What With Me podcast on JRQ TV, financial expert and CEO and founder of Life Service Center of America, LLC, endorsed by Les Brown. Welcome, Gigi. Thank you. Such an honor to be here today. Absolutely. So I will start off the event. Again, I am Dr. Lakeisha James. I have OCD. Did that sound like a confession? Well, it is. I first noticed my obsession with certain things in my life when I was in high school. I remember this certain event when my older sister moved back home. She had to occupy my room. I would go into my room and pick up things off the floor. It would irritate her so bad that she would scream for me to get out of her room. It was something that came over me and I had the impulse to keep the space clean. As I got older, it seemed to get worse. When I was growing up, I remember my mom would have the house clean all the time. Everything had its space. When she'd go to sleep and wake up, if something was out of place or if a dirty dish was in the sink, it would impact her. Thinking now, I wonder if growing up in a household and seeing all things that its place had an order would impact me as I became an adult. It did. I want to share something with you. I remember a prophecy that my pastor shared with me a few years ago. She said that me being controlling would put me in a place where I did not want to be. And I thought, what was she talking about? Then I thought about how I was with my family. Obsessive compulsive disorder, which we also know as OCD, is a mental and behavior disorder in which an individual has intrusive thoughts and obsession that leads you to repetitive behaviors, which are compulsions, and people with OCD have symptoms of obsessions, compulsive, or both. These symptoms can interfere with all aspects of life, such as work, school, and personal relationships. Obsessions are unfounded thoughts, fears, or worries. They happen often and often cause great anxiety. Common obsessions are a strong fixation with dirty germs, repeated doubts, a need to have things in a very specific order, thoughts about violence or hurting someone, spending long periods of time touching things or counting, fixation with order or symmetry, persistent thoughts of awful sexual acts, and trouble by thoughts that are against personal religious belief. I remember when COVID was on the scene. To some, it's still lingering. I saw people start to use hand sanitizer and cleaning supplies. It was alarming. I was always the one that was prepared when I touched a plugging surface or anything that had germs because everything has germs. I would pull out my, my hand sanitizer. After I pumped my gas, I would immediately get into my vehicle and sanitize my hands. People looked at me like I was weird. I'm looking at them like, why are you not using it? When the store shelves became empty and all cleaning supplies were sold out, I was like, people just started cleaning their homes and offices. I couldn't believe it. When I walk into a business or someone's residence, I instantly start to visualize moving things that don't belong together. How I would arrange the sofa or where I would place the food on the table. For example, putting all meats together, the veggies and so forth. This was a constant thing for me. 
As an adult and a mother, my family would be walking on eggshells. I would clean the kitchen the following morning if the kitchen had a dish in the sink or a piece of anything out of place. Let the rapture begin. It was anything out of place immediately. It would impact my family and therefore it would impact me. My family referred to me as the warden. <laughs> Compulsions are repetitive ritualized acts that are meant to reduce anxiety caused by obsessions. And some of those examples are repeated hand washing, often 100 plus times a day, checking and rechecking to make sure the door is locked or the oven is turned off, following rigid rules of order, such as putting on clothes in the same order each day, or appetizing spices and getting upset if the order becomes disruptive. These acts can become excessive, disruptive, and time consuming. My clothes in the closet are all put together by colors. I have my boots with my blues, my blacks with my blacks, my denims with my denims. My shoes are in shoe boxes. They're in shoe boxes with tissue paper. I have my bags sorted by colors. All bags have tissue paper in them so I can keep the shape. My cabinets are in order. I have all seasoned in alphabetical order, face in front. If it get disrupted, I get bothered. I instantly start putting them back in order. The towels on my tire racks are the same length. If I walk by one as long as any other, it impacts me. My eldest daughter is growing up and she thought I had a problem. Now she started to have the symptoms of OCD. She likes her house in a certain way. Her kitchen must be clean. If she sees a dish in the sink or on the stove or a crumb on the counter, it impacts her. And I start looking at her like, wow, this is what happens when she grows up in a house like I did when my mother was like that. And also it's affecting my youngest daughter. She's starting to show signs as well. I don't have many guests inside my home because I don't like people coming over, but when they do, I have a bathroom downstairs when my guests leave, I wipe down the toilet with Clorox. When I don't do it quickly enough, my youngest daughter reminds me that I need to wipe the toilet down. And some key points of OCD I wanna leave you guys with. OCD is a common condition. It causes persistent disturbing thoughts and compulsive rituals that attempts to ease anxiety. The rituals become consuming and interrupt daily life. Stressful events may trigger OCD episodes to make them worse. You may or may not have the insight into the rational thoughts or behaviors and they have medicine and therapy that can help reduce the time spent through the patterns and compulsive behaviors. Treatment is the most successful when you use both. Now, I know a lot of us on this platform, a lot of people are watching we're entrepreneurs, but being an entrepreneur has its moments when it comes to stress. I find out when I have been in meetings all day, planning events and other duties I'm responsible for, and when I don't have time to breathe, when my day finally ends and I get a moment, I see something out of order or not clean, and my OCD kicks in, and it's worse. I want to leave you guys with a fact. Some of you may be tuning in think that perfectionism is OCD. It's not. Perfectionism is a personality trait. You know, the need to be perfect. Perfectionism may not be specific type of OCD, but is associated with it. People with OCD tend to overestimate their responsibility in the situation and struggle to tolerate uncertainty, which can lead to perfectionism. Many people with OCD will be the perfectionistic, while all not perfectionists are not OCDs. Now, this concludes my, my experience with OCD in my childhood and adulthood. I hope you learned something today about OCD that you did not know. Many of you may have symptoms or some of you may already have it. As you can see, it affects school, work, and relationships. OCD causes a person to get stuck in a cycle of obsessions and compulsions that impacts the way they think and behave. But I do want you to know there is community and there is help. This event was created to educate you to know more about you and who you are created to be. We live life, go through life, not for us, but for someone else. And I always say, everyone has a story. What's yours? Somewhere, someone in the world needs to hear it. If you impact one person, you've done your job. So go ahead and share your story and change the world.
And I look forward to hearing all the other speakers speak their truth. Again, I am Dr. Lakeisha James and I have OCD. Thank you, Dr. James. Thank you. So moving right along to our next speaker, I'd like to introduce to you Jenna Champagne. She's a registered nurse, autism mom. She's a retired registered nurse. She's a professional diplomat of medical cannabinoid sciences. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Jenna Champagne. Thank you so much, Dr. James, and I'm excited to be here, and thank you for that wonderful introduction to OCD. So um, hold on, I'm going to pull up my PowerPoint here, just a moment, get it looking good. Um, so let's see, there we go. All right, so hopefully you all can see that. Um, so the title of my presentation today, Cannabis for OCD Harm Reduction, may have perked your interest and maybe it even raised your eyebrows. That was my initial response upon hearing a friend discuss using cannabis to alleviate symptoms in her pediatric son with severe autism. OCD is a common comorbidity of autism and as a now retired nurse and an autism mom of 21 years, Living with my daughter's torturous symptoms of OCD is a reality in our home. Uh, for example, she was up at three o'clock this morning trying to brush and blow dry her dry hair and go back to bed. <laughs> Those are the types of behaviors we see. We have tried or considered just about every possible mainstream intervention, but cannabis wasn't on that list initially. After all, I hadn't learned anything about the potential medical benefits of cannabis in nursing school, nor is this science commonly taught in, med in medical school, so our doctors don't know this information. Understandably, this represents a major barrier for patients seeking competent medical cannabis guidance. For these reasons, we didn't try cannabis with my daughter until she experienced a severe behavior crisis with puberty in 2014. This is when I began desperately reviewing the options to address her OCD, tics, and other autism symptoms. And it became clear that cannabis was objectively the safest choice to improve her quality of life. Thankfully, cannabis was an effective answer that made our home life manageable. And it even spared my daughter out of home placement. Now my daughter is 21 years old and she earned her high school diploma in 2021, which would not have been possible without the function improving benefits of her cannabis therapy. Um, I will never say that our life is perfect, but cannabis provided a safe and effective solution to manage her OCD, tics, and other autism behaviors while improving her quality of life and her function thanks to its deeper balancing benefits. And I'm gonna talk more about the science behind this in the next few slides. My resulting pa passion for cannabis turned our trauma into purpose. And I've since educated thousands of patients and hundreds of medical professionals on evidence-based strategies to optimize cannabis therapy. The potential of cannabis to improve OCD symptoms is supported by reputable research. Oh, sorry. sorry about that. Um, so due to limited time today, I will only touch briefly on some of the main scientific concepts. Um, and I will also provide 
my citations to anybody that has hungry brains and you wish to dig deeper into this um, topic. So the photo to the right is a cover of a nationwide magazine that published in 2017, featuring my daughter's cannabis success story and citing the supporting research of cannabis for autism. The link to this cover page article is below. And for more information on our journey and my current cannabis industry roles, please visit my media kit website, www.janashampagne.com. Currently, hundreds of thousands of patients in the US are choosing therapeutic use of cannabis despite the complex legalities and legal hoops to access it. This includes the two to 3% of the worldwide population challenged with OCD. According to the DSM-5, and as Dr. Lakeisha James mentioned earlier, uh, it specifies mental health diagnostic criteria, and OCD symptoms must include repetitive thoughts and behaviors that are time-consuming, distressing, and cause functional impairment. While OCD is a standalone diagnosis, it may also express in other neurological conditions like autism or traumatic brain injury. According to this research by Kaiser in 2019, therapies targeting the endocannabinoid system, or ECS receptors, can modulate anxiety, fear, and repetitive behaviors. The CB1 receptor is a common target, which is prevalent in the prefrontal cortex, basal ganglia, hippocampus, and amygdala in the brain, where the neurotransmitter imbalances causing OCD symptoms originate. Additionally, CB1 receptors are highly expressed in presynaptic axon terminals offering inhibition of GABA. In plain English, this means that targeting the CB1 receptor with cannabis therapy may provide balance in the neurotransmitters that are askew in those with OCD symptoms. On the right is a screenshot of this article, and you'll notice it's from a government website, the National Institute of Health. It was published in PubMed, which is a reputable medical research database. And all of the research I present today meets equally high standards being statistically valid from reputable sources. And once again, I'm happy to furnish a list of citations upon request. For those who are brand new to the human endocannabinoid, oh, there we go. For those who are new to this concept of the human endocannabinoid system or ECS, think of it as the motherboard of our body, responsible for maintaining homeostasis or optimal health balance in every other system of the body. This includes balance promotion in the brain in the specific locations where neurotransmitter imbalances are inherent to OCD. The ECS has receptors throughout the body and it also produces vital nutrients known as endocannabinoids that interact with the ECS receptors. It's similar in structure to the endocrine or hormone system in our body. And when I say vital nutrients, I truly mean it. It's actually theorized that life would not be possible without the endocannabinoid system's production of these vital endocannabinoids, with the most prolific source being human breast milk, which is the perfect human food. When endocannabinoid receptors are activated by endocannabinoids, they promote homeostasis or balance, thereby targeting the underlying cause of all disease. Endocannabinoid deficiency is a condition where the body is unable to produce ample endo or internal cannabinoids to stay in balance. Cannabis sativa L has the most prolific source of phyto or plant source cannabinoids available to supplement what may be lacking in the endocannabinoid system of those who suffer chronic illness. This explains why it may provide benefits when taking as a therapeutic intervention. 
To summarize, our bodies make compounds that are nearly identical in structure and function compared with the cannabinoids produced by the cannabis plant. Add the fact that cannabis has been used as medicine for thousands of years and boasts an unsurpassed safety profile, and it's only natural to question the incentive for federal restriction of cannabis access to patients in need, especially when we freely allowed opioid prescriptions, which kill patients every 18 minutes in this country. As a nurse, I was taught to ethically follow patients' needs, and that has driven my education of cannabis patients and medical professionals and the advocacy roles I fill today. Oh, but there's more. Here's a brief review of some additional research articles supporting cannabis as an intervention for OCD. Valet in 2021 found that cannabis improves obsessive compulsive disorder by inhibiting the beta-catenin pathway, which was found to contribute to OCD imbalances. Supplementing with CBD, which is legal and accessible in all 50 states of the US and many international locations, was effective in mitigating oxidative stress, decreasing inflammation, balancing the GABA glutamate pathway of neurotransmitters and improving circadian rhythm to remedy sleep disruption. Shetko in 2023 wrote that targeting the CB1 endocannabinoid receptor with THC is a viable option for treating OCD symptoms as well to balance the neurotransmitters GABA, glutamate, and dopamine, which improved OCD, tics, and Tourette's symptoms. While THC is less accessible legally, its unsurpassed safety profile makes it a powerful harm reduction tool compared with the OCD pharmaceuticals to mitigate the substantial risk of their harmful side effects. We're going to talk more about that in a minute too. Um, Nicolin in 2021 also found that those suffering OCD are more likely to use cannabis, although this author expressed concern with patients self-medicating, which I agree is not optimal to reflect those really great health outcomes that, we, that are possible. Uh, clearly, the science trumps the stigma in regards to cannabis as a therapeutic option for treating OCD symptoms. As the research reflects, medical cannabis therapy may benefit those suffering with OCD symptoms by promoting neurotransmitter balance, which may mitigate symptoms and reduce reliance on pharmaceuticals. In an objective risk versus benefit assessment, comparing cannabis versus the pharmaceutical approach, cannabis with its unsurpassed safety profile is objectively less risky, while targeting underlying imbalances, often making it the more effective option as well. In addition to reducing reliance on pharma, other common outcomes of cannabis supplementation include improved quality of life and function. It's clear that cannabis entails fewer risk factors with its lacking LD50 designation or the dose at, with, at which it's lethal to 50% of the population. Basically, it doesn't exist. We haven't found an overdose amount of cannabis <laughs> combined with its beneficial or even enjoyable side effects. This objective risk versus benefit assessment is vital to ensure medical ethics are upheld in serving patients. Unfortunately, the legal status of cannabis has restricted research, yet there was a $300,000 grant awarded by the International OCD Foundation this year to further in investigate the brain endocannabinoid system and implications for OCD treatment. Currently, the FDA-approved pharmaceuticals for OCD include antipsychotics like Abilify or Risperdone, antidepressants or SSRIs, and anxiolytics and benzodiazepines like Ativan. The mainstream approach is risky as reflected by the list of side effects you see below, which are 
threatening to the quality of life, like extrapyramidal symptoms, which is uncontrolled movement disorder and can cause tics, um, hallucinations, agitation, headaches, erectile dysfunction. And some of the side effects can even be life-threatening like suicidal ideation and neuroleptic malignant syndrome. These medications clearly risk harm to any patient using them to treat OCD, where cannabis has been used historically for thousands of years with no harm ever substantiated from cannabis use alone. It's clear that cannabis should be considered prior to harmful or invasive approaches in order to uphold our medical ethics and our commitment to do no harm. Unity Formula CBD products are optimal therapeutic quality, legal pretty much everywhere, and they offer a mind line of products specifically formulated for use with OCD and other neurological conditions. We use these products in my home every day. Uh, Unity Formula CBD and hemp compounds are not intoxicating. They will not risk functional impairment like CBD, like THC may cause. And Unity Formula also offers free nurse guidance and a special 20% off coupon code for our audience today. So you may want to screenshot this slide. Additionally, Unity Formulas are products with purpose and a portion of every, of every product is donated to 501c3 Autism Safe Haven, which is committed to cannabis-inclusive autism care resources, which are desperately needed. And please visit that website if you'd like to learn more about that topic. I hope this introduction to cannabis helps expand your paradigm on this important topic and promotes realization of its potential as a harm reduction tool for OCD. And I hope you join me in advocating for improved legal access and expanded use of cannabis for patients in need. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jana. Jana, Thank you. I mispronounced your name. <laughs> You're all right. Thank you for that. That was um, very enlightening. So much information in that. Thank you so much for that. Yes, and I'm trying to stop share. There we go. Right. <laughs> Oops, so on the technology today. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's technology. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to introduce our next speaker, which is Christina Orlova. She is OCD and anxiety specialist behind KOR Results Private Practice. She has been in the mental health field since 2006. She has been specialized in OCD since 2017 and has treated hundreds of people with OCD and co-occurring disorders, including intensive outpatient program services for severe OCD. Christina uses evidence-based therapies, including CBT, ERP, ACT, ACBT, and mindfulness to empower individuals to break free from the cycle of OCD. She is the OCD Whisperer podcast host and has some transformative resources like to be OCD free, REP, Mindset Masterclass, Sneaky Rituals Masterclass, and an ICBT Masterclass. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Christina Olova. Thank you, Dr. James. I always laugh a little bit uh, in the therapy world. We always say the little alphabet soup, right? All these acronyms, ERP, ACT, ICBT, DBT, and we can keep on going. <laughs> um, yeah, so kind of what I wanted to talk about today with folks is the, the treatment approaches, the therapy approaches that are evidence-based um, and these are the approaches that myself, as well as, you know, specialists who treat OCD use in the field. Um, and I think one that I want to bring up definitely today that most folks don't know about is inference-based CBT. So um, let's go over them. So if, if you're somebody who's struggling with OCD, and I myself also have OCD and only learned this way later in my life, and maybe some people might resonate that when you figure this out later, and you finally put the pieces together and get the right treatment, sometimes you have a little bit of moments of grief and loss because you're like, my gosh, I wish I knew this sooner, could have done things differently, or maybe 
you know, OCD could, might have impacted your relationships with your family or friends, or you lost some relationships, um, you know, and learning too that, you know, how OCD, the disorder works. Um, and just like, you know, Dr. James mentioned that, you know, there's different ways it can manifest. It can be, you know, relationship-based, it can be religion-based, harm-based, self-harm-based, um, you know, morality, uh, just so many different versions and iterations, if you will, because it can attach to anything. And so making sure that we have the right treatment is really paramount. Um, one of the common mistakes I see is when people don't know, they will go to talk therapy. And in talk therapy, really what you end up doing is co-compulsing because you just feel this need to keep analyzing and processing and you really end up going in a spiral. And, and I, I just cannot tell you the amount of times I've had clients show up and say, my God, I've been in talk therapy for, you know, four years, five years, et cetera. I'm not better. I'm actually worse. And so, you know, we have to talk about different compulsions, right? It's not just physical. We also can be doing mental rituals, um, compulsive rumination, prayer, um, you know, tapping, e even, um, tracing letters or things with our eyes. There's so many things as humans that we do because we're trying to feel better. So with that said, the three um, the three therapeutic approaches right now that are known to be really effective for OCD are exposure response prevention. And that's been around for, at this point, over 50 years. Um, there's strong evidence behind it. It, it, it. You know, it really works and helps people get better. Um, exposure response prevention kind of has two, two different ways that we look at it. One is in, in inhibitory learning, which is learning that just the act of having intrusive thoughts or uncomfortable, anxious feelings in and of itself does not equal that is a threat, right? That we can actually tolerate and have uncomfortable thoughts and feelings as we do, because that's life. We can't escape moments of discomfort in life. Um, so that's one approach. And the other approach that we know with exposure response prevention is a habituation model, which is essentially, I will continue to put myself in front of the triggering situation. And over time, as I stay in it and, and reduce my compulsions ultimately down to zero, the brain starts to learn, oh, okay, I can get used to this. And hey, look at that. Nothing horrible is really happening. Um, either approach, the goal of exposure response prevention is to have people actively relearn that um, intrusions are just that, they are thoughts, and that the behavior, that urge that you have to compulsively do something repetitively um, is does not, in fact, solve or resolve anything ever. And anybody listening right now probably can connect to that, right? Because if the compulsion was to work, we would solve it right then and there and be done with it. Um, but that's never the case, right? We always feel like, no, I have to go in, I have to do more and I have to maybe do it for longer. And um, we get really stuck in that cycle. So ERP really helps folks target the fears, build out a hierarchy and then start to progressively systematically work on it. The next therapeutic approach that we have is acceptance commitment therapy. Um, so that's been out also since the mid seventies, but really, um, over, I'd say, I don't know, about 10 years or so, last 10 years, it, it's really kind of come forward more and more in terms of kind of the marriage of the two of using ERP and acceptance commitment therapy. Acceptance commitment therapy looks at, we wanna develop psychological flexibility. So really in that approach, we're looking to say, hey, let's actually connect our values. Let's look at what's actually really important for us so that we can start to look at how we are gonna design our exposure practice 
from that lens so that we're no longer just looking at let's just habituate to something, but let's look at why we would even want to face something that's difficult or scary to us, right? Because if you think about it, any any human being, if something is scary, the first thing you want to do is get away from it, not go into it. So we have to kind of pause and think, well, why on earth would I go and face a thought of what if I accidentally stab my mom or, you know, some intrusive sexual thought or, you know, what if I did something terribly wrong and now, you know, I'm going to be condemned or, you know, anything like that. Right. It, it just if you think about it just from that natural perspective of how we operate as human beings, that's not the first thing you're going to want to do. So with acceptance commitment therapy. I think it's done a beautiful job of kind of having a step back and find what would be valuable about that. What would be meaningful about that? So if I really value connection and relationships, well, then it's actually valuable for me to go ahead and go to, let's say, a social function where I know I'm going to have some intrusive thoughts. But my focus there is to say, hey, I want to have this experience, though, because I value connection so much more, right? I value uh, being in relationship to these people. So I'm now going to be willing to have an experience that's uncomfortable, but it's for this kind of greater good, if you will. Um, and I'm simplifying all of these, of course, um, but that's kind of one, one of the components that we work with with acceptance commitment therapy. Also, we bring in this concept of mindfulness and really being present in the present moment and making contact with the present moment and making sure that we're, we're allowing whatever the experience is right now to be there, that we're not pushing it away. We're not trying to control it or manipulate it. We're just saying, hey, it's here. Let me notice it. Let me feel it. Where is it in my body? Let me kind of allow it to kind of wash over because one thing if if we think about it is at some point it does pass, right? We don't stay in this heightened state of anxiety and OCD fear and paralyzed forever. At some points, feelings pass. So we we start to learn that just like clouds, just like the weather, things change, right? And so we can then start to allow and be willing to uh, feel and have, again, these difficult experiences. The third treatment approach is inference-based CBT. This is one that really also, interestingly enough, has been around for 20 years, uh, but really in the last one to two years, it's it's uh, there's been a lot more kind of movement, especially in the United States. Um, so this, this was really developed in Canada, and inference-based CBT looks at OCD from a slightly different angle, and essentially this is a cognitive model. Uh, whereas the other two, we might say, are, are more behavioral models, though all of them, of course, have cognitive behavioral components. So this, this form of cognitive behavioral therapy really looks at how is it that a person with OCD arrived at this conclusion, right, that I might be somebody who can suddenly lose control and, um, you know, go stab my mother. How, like, how did I, how did I get to that? To that outcome, right? So inference-based CBT, the goal there is to slow everything down because as we know in the OCD experience, everything happens really fast, like rapid fire. And so we have to slow down and we kind of say, hey, before even the compulsion and before that feared outcome, that consequence, there's something else that's happening. And ICBT says what's happening there is that there's a trigger and then there's that first doubt that we have, that initial doubt, that initial thing we're questioning. And then that first doubt that we have is the first inference, is that first conclusion we're arriving at. And so what is that doubt really based on? And, and ICBT says, well, there's some, there's a reasoning process there. There's a justification you already have in your head 
about why you feel like that doubt is something that you need to question. So ICBD says, let's look at this and let's start to understand this, the anatomy of doubt. Um, what is a reasonable doubt and what is an obsessive doubt? What is an obsessive doubt based on? How does it work? So that we can start to understand how is it that we're reasoning our way into OCD so that we can ultimately stop doing that and realize, hey, OCD doesn't live in reality. It goes against reality. OCD lives in our heads where we come up with a lot of possibilities, right? A lot of subjective scenarios of all these catastrophic things that can and may happen. And so we start to over rely on possibility as essentially our evidence to say, oh, okay, well, since it's possible, then I better take this action in real time. So inference-based CBT really works on resolving the inferential confusion because folks with OCD are responding to something that they're seeing in their mind's eye, in their imagination, as if it's happening in reality. And so that approach um, says that we don't have to per se do exposure and response prevention, but we need to really resolve that doubt on the front end so that you can start to learn the difference between how you think when you're in, in non-OCD moments versus when OCD shows up. Because as we all know, our OCD is very selective, right? It's not like it's showing up everywhere all the time. It's only certain things where it suddenly gets activated. And then we suddenly deem our perception and, and our kind of regular use of, you know, our mind to analyze something. Suddenly OCD says that that, that doesn't matter. That's not enough. You can't trust it. Um, so ICBT really works on working through that process. There's 12 modules total that we go through with folks to have them, you know, have that direct experience themselves and start to um, have that clarity and essentially step away from the OCD story, which of course is very, very powerful. So those are the three current evidence-based practices um, and or therapies for OCD. And um, as uh, Dr. Lakeisha James said, I do have a podcast, OCD Whisperer podcast, where I interview lots of different specialists in the field. Um, and we just, you know, keep having the conversation about all things OCD. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, Christina. It's interesting that you say when you're talking about work, I feel like everything that I do on a daily basis when it comes to my entrepreneurial journey, I'm not doing enough. And it always, like every quarter, I, it comes to my brain like maybe three or four times all the time. Like I'm not doing enough, I'm not doing enough. And then when I get into that mood, like, okay, I gotta do something different. I need to do more. And then I get burnt out. <laughs> exactly. Well, but it's also what you mentioned, right? There's a difference when you might have perfectionism, for example, versus perfectionism OCD. Those are very different presentations. Or even when you have obsessive compulsive personality disorder, yeah. that's very different also than OCD, right? So, and you're right, people confuse the two, but in OCD, it's like you said, it's that if I, I feel this strong urgency, like I have to do this behavior and because if I don't, something bad is going to happen. Right. And so then you feel compelled, like I have to keep doing, doing things more and more. And frankly, I have perfectionism, OCD, and I have relationship OCD. So I, I, I get it. Like when, yeah. I mean, even when it comes to doing legal documents and forms, oh my God, immediately my brain just suddenly just falls apart a little bit. And I have to step back and use all the therapies I just mentioned to, right. Mm -hmm. To resolve it, cool it down and, and move through. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise. Really enjoyed that. Our next speaker is Jenna Johnson. She's a holistic nutritionist, integrative nutrition health coach, wellness warrior, Lyme overcomer, gut health expert, and motivator. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Jenna Johnson.
Jenna's not here at this time. She's not here. I was like, we were right along. Our next speaker, Aislith Zedlon. She's a bilingual real estate agent, keynote speaker, and podcaster. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Aislith Zedlon. Did I pronounce that correctly? I think I always put your name. <laughs> it's okay. It's a little different. Um, it's Aislith Zedlon. So, yeah. Uh, so I'll be speaking about, you know, how it was um, having a, I'm just like a Jenna or J Jenna, um, who has a child um, with uh, autism. And so, as she mentioned, a lot of autistic people also do have OCD. My son, he doesn't have it necessarily as bad as he used to, but when he was a child, it was really bad. And so I'm thankful for all the therapists and, um, you know, the progress that he's had over the years. He's had therapy since he was three. And so I'm just very, very um, grateful for the progress that he's had since he started his therapy journey. Um, my mom also has OCD um, really, really bad. And so um, it's something that I've dealt with my whole life um, because, you know, my mom had it. Um, and so she, I mean, I don't know about uh, if you know of any, you know, Latina people in your family, but the majority of uh, Latinos um, were pretty like clean um, to an extreme. <laughs> you know, um, I think, uh, you know, my mom, uh, you know, she's the kind that if we were, you know, to clean our room, she would like, you know, you know, get her finger and make sure like there was no dust anywhere. Um, it was that extreme. And so I think, um, uh, you know, it's, it's something that I've had to deal with um, all my life, but I'm uh, grateful for the help that is available. Um, you know, uh, my son didn't necessarily have to have medication or anything. Um, again, because it wasn't as bad. I just remember when he was small, like he would, uh, you know, line up, you know, the, um, he would line up, you know, water bottles. And if somebody would move one, he would get super upset. And so, um, you know, just having to deal with um, how to calm him down, how to, you know, have it not go to a tantrum and just kind of work with him. Um, I'm very grateful for the therapist that taught me little techniques on how to, you know, kind of distract him from, you know, him having a meltdown because the, one of the water bottles wasn't in place, you know. Um, so I think it, it just depends on, you know, um, you as a parent, if you're a special needs parent, make sure you communicate with your therapist, make sure you communicate, um, you know, with his teachers, the people who are around them a lot, because, um, the more that you communicate with them, the better they're going to be able to better, um, you know, communicate with your child. Um, you know, every time, you know, the school, school year is coming up, make sure you address that with all of the teachers that your, that your kids have. Um, because the more communication that there is between, you know, the parent and um, the teacher, the better the kid's going to be for the rest of the school year. And so definitely wanted to address that. I know a bunch of uh, kids are, you know, about to start school. So um, and then I also wanted to, you know, talk about faith. You know, um, I I don't think I would be as, you know, calm or as, um, you know, have that peace um, while I'm leading my son, if, um, I didn't have someone to go to for that. And so I definitely wanted to, 
um, say, um, you know, in Psalms 94, 19, um, it's a Bible verse and it's, uh, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. And so definitely wanted to talk to, you know, anybody who is, you know, dealing with someone that has OCD, or if you have it for your, you know, you have it yourself, um, you know, go to the Lord with that anxiety. You know, I think um, that's one of the things that has helped me the most, how, how to parent my son, um, is to definitely go to God first and ask him how I can better parent my son and, you know, ask him for that, you know, deep peace that I need for, to lead him in a better way. So definitely wanted to thank all the sponsors and all the speakers. You guys are all amazing and learning a lot and taking notes. And so um, thank you for this opportunity and um, definitely wanted to shout out Gigi. <laughs> so, thank you. yeah. Thank you, Isla. Thank you so much for sharing. I salute you as a mother. All of you mothers, I salute all of you. Our next speaker is Jennifer Fettis. Based in Buffalo, New York, Jennifer is a proud mom of two kids, a chronic illness warrior, and now the excited founder of 123 Months Spa, where she is a dynamic entrepreneur, mom coach, and podcast host. Jennifer has been featured on Every Women TV and has co-authored a book titled Survivors. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Jennifer Fettis. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for that introduction, Dr. Lakeisha James and Gigi, for um, having me on this wonderful panel. Um, I'm actually learning a lot as well um, from all the other speakers about OCD. Um, so a little bit about just myself. I I don't have any fancy letters after my name. I, I you know, however, I have a lifetime of experience, unfortunately, with chronic illness. And a lot of people tend to think of chronic illness right away from the beginning, that it's something that you, you, it's physical, right? But anything that's chronic, meaning anything that's chronic can last more than three months. So, and that can definitely be a mental health issue as OCD is because we can't see it. You know, it's something that people struggle with as well as physical chronic illnesses we call them invisible illnesses because it's something that people just don't see. And um, even though, you know, every other person out there may struggle with an illness, it could be any type of physical, emotional, spiritual, mental type of illness. Um, you just have to remember that each of us struggle with something and um, to be kind to one another. I, I do think that there's more people out there now advocating for people that struggle, whether it be physical or mental health. Um, so I love that there's more people that are out there spreading, spreading this awareness. Um, but the most important thing to do when you have any type of illness or disease is to just, you have to self-advocate for, advocate for yourself. Um, you have to learn to find that voice within. And it's, that is something that I found very, very difficult being diagnosed with a multitude of issues when I was 15 years old. Um, navigating how to tell your friends that you have an issue, but not wanting to tell your friends you have an issue because they just don't understand. And um, when it comes to chronic illness and OCD, um, we all know that these things happen because a lot of it is is stress is stress related 
And so when you have a chronic illness, your OCD, they, they're kind of like, they kind of like bump heads, you know, with each other. And it's like, oh, this is driving me crazy. Oh, but then this is stressing me out. And you want to try to help keep inflammation at bay, as well as try to, um, like Christina had said earlier, become really try to become present in the moment and learn to be mindful um, about what is really kind of happening in and around your environment. And the way that I like to do that um, is to really become aware that what I'm feeling isn't how I normally would feel. If there's something that feels out of place for myself, I want to kind of be like, okay, Jenny, I know that something is off with me. And I want to bring it back to like our, our five senses, you know, what can we smell around us? What can we, is there something that we can taste in the air? What can we feel? Is there something that is around us that we can feel now as I'm doing this and Gigi knows, um, but I sit every time I'm on the computer, I have these little magnetic beads, these little magnetic balls that I, I play with all the time. They keep my hands busy. They keep me focused. And it's something as simple as that, that can really just bring you into that present moment and becoming, becoming aware of your feelings and your emotions. Now, every, everything like this too, is not a one all, you know, one fits most or any, however you want to say that what is going to work for me may not work for you. Um, I've also found, I don't know if you're on TikTok, but I've also found a woman who does Zen tangles and it's essentially drawing, but you're drawing something kind of in a repetitive motion, but you're becoming very, very aware. And this, I didn't even know was really helping me with my OCD until I found that it was just extremely relaxing and calming to do because I didn't have to think about it. it. My hand just kept moving and I knew what I wanted to draw and it doesn't have, like it can be shapes and all you do is use different thicknesses of markers on a plain sheet of paper and your mind becomes very, very clear. And so that has helped me. I've And I've made some really, really cool drawings in the meantime and you can shade them in. And um, so, yeah, I, I can, um, I can, I wish I, there was a way I could show you those, but I can't, I don't really have them on my computer, but I did just put some notes together. So I'm going to share my screen because I do want to make sure that I um, touch base on everything that I wanted to with chronic illness and OCD. So how does chronic illness really affect obsessive compulsive disorder? Like I had mentioned the stress and being uncertain about what may happen next. So anything like that can exacerbate your OCD symptoms or it triggers, it can even trigger a higher like sense of your OCD. So when you are, when you have increased stress and anxiety, chronic illness can be emotionally and physically draining. And when that happens, there, your body becomes very, um, very inflamed and you can, you can have a chronic illness flare. Um, for those of you who have chronic illness, you know that these can come on extremely quickly. And the only way to really deal with that 
is to rest, is to let your body, your mind, you have to rest. And when you don't do that, your body will almost like give out. It just, it will not work no matter what you want to do. So it's extremely frustrating, but you, but becoming aware of your symptoms and you can, sometimes you can feel it coming on. Um, that is the most important thing that I can tell you is to really just become aware of your own personal symptoms of when you feel like something like that could be happening. Your obsessive thoughts. Chronic illness may introduce new sources of worry and fear, which can become the focus of obsessive thoughts for someone with OCD. So these obsessions may be related to health concerns, potential treatment outcomes, or fears of becoming a burden to loved ones. And we all know that when you have these thoughts, you kind of dig this massive rabbit hole that just can start with a simple thought and then you can end up, you know, an hour later in a whole nother thought pattern that is not even related to where it kind of became or where it started. And it becomes this whole new issue. And now you're stressed. And again, with chronic illness, you're going to create inflammation and stress and you're going to get yourself worried and sick and create a flare for yourself. Compulsions related to health management. The need to manage a chronic illness can lead to new rituals and compulsions in an attempt to gain control over the illness or prevent negative outcomes. Medical related compulsions. Um, individuals with OCD and chronic illnesses may develop excessive cleanliness or hygiene rituals to avoid germs or contamination that could worsen their condition. I know, Dr. James, you had touched on that a little bit um, when you first spoke. Um, I still use hand sanitizer after everything that I touch. Um, I am constantly cleaning my house. Um, my kids just shake their head at me. I remember when my kids were small, they are now 13 and 14, but my daughter would walk around with a Cheerio box and would just like, you know, as they're kind of walking and swinging that Cheerio box, the Cheerios are like falling on the floor and like two would maybe get in the mouth and a handful would be on the floor. I would chase them with my dust buster behind them because I'm like, I cannot leave crumbs. I had a little dog, so they weren't really like eating up the food left behind. Unfortunately, I wish she did, but she did not. Um, so yeah, that, uh, that can absolutely happen and drive you crazy. Obsessions about medications. Um, did I talk about that? Oh yeah. So when you have medications, um, I become very, very hyper aware of what time I need to take them. If a pill or a supplement might be every other day, I'm, you know, if I'm seven, if I've got less than like seven left, because I always plan my, my pills in that like week, you know, Monday through Sunday, um, little pill dispensary case. Uh, I have, I'm on the phone with my pharmacy. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need more. Sometimes they give you a hard time because they don't want to fill it because it's not, you know, up, it's not done yet. But I keep telling them I need it filled because I, you line it up and they should know that. But this is me just kind of overthinking. Um, or if you have a supplement that you haven't taken, is it expired? You know, even when it's a, not even a supplement, like your food or whatever, how over expiration dates are you with, um, you know, with anything that you eat? I know myself, if it's like going on up a week into an expiration date, I like toss it. I can't, I can't have it in my fridge. 
I've seen actually my daughter kind of do the same thing. But then my son is like, ah, just take it off. He takes a spoon and he'll take like a little chunk off of something and eat it. And I'm like, all right, well, whatever. (laughs) So I just let him do his own thing and try not to obsess about that because that'll drive me crazy. Um, All right. So where are we? Okay. The impact in treatment. um, Here we go. So OCD symptoms may interfere with treatment adherence for the chronic illness, making it difficult for the individual to follow medical advice or maintain consistent self-care. So we just want to make sure that, again, what is what is good for me may not be good for you. You have to also make sure that you are taking care of you for you and to the best of your ability, regardless of what your doctor says, because you know your body best. They do not. They know the conventional medicine side. And that's what they're taught. And they're very, very, you know, smart and educated. But again, you know, your body, please listen to your body, listen to the symptoms, become aware of your symptoms and your thoughts and what your thoughts are creating in your body from the inside out. Because you may be, if you become aware, you may be able to stop it before you have like a full-blown panic attack or an anxiety attack. Um, chronic illness can lead to increased social social isolation due to physical limitations or the fear of exacerbating our symptoms. Social isolation can worsen OCD symptoms and increase feelings of depression and anxiety. This is kind of when I mentioned a little earlier when I was um, a teenager and afraid to put myself in a situation that I know may make me uncomfortable or if I'm out somewhere and, you know, I'm three hours into a party or, you know, or at a wedding and all of a sudden my body just feels um, like it's time to, it's time to go home. And your family member or a friend says, oh, Jenny, you're all right. You know, stay another hour with this, you know, such and such song hasn't played yet. And you have that feeling of guilt and it's that burden of others and you know what's best for you, but you don't want to be that burden. So you stay. And then the next day you're, you're wishing that you didn't, or you can say, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm here. I, this is what I I did. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people should at that point know what your conditions are or that you have an issue. And unless you don't openly really tell your friends, which I know some people don't, but um, listen to your body and do what's best for you. And those that love you should understand you and understand that. So you can't take that guilt to heart. You have to try to, you know, it's, it's very hard, but boundary setting, I think is absolutely crucial when it comes to any type of illness. And then um, let's see, we can Chronic illness and OCD can co-occur, leading to more complex set of challenges for the individual's overall health and well-being. Everything that we've already kind of gone through. Um, Dr. Lakeisha went, what is what is OCD? And this is kind of just reiterating all of that. Um, and then here's some treatments. What can people do? What can people do to manage their OCD symptoms? And um, Christina went through some of those as well. So, um, you know, we don't really want to take medication if we don't need to, but I know that it is definitely necessary for some people that have 
you know, severe severity when it comes to any type of chronic illness or mental illness, it is absolutely necessary if you, if you, if it is needed. Um, identifying your triggers, again, becoming aware of your symptoms and being mindful, being mindful of where you are, taking a deep breath, a deep belly breath from your belly, a deep inhale and a slow exhale. And just, you can count in your head. You can do um, box breathing has helped. There's so many different practices out there to stay mindful and journaling. Sometimes journaling, um, even journaling your symptoms and, you know, saying where you are or your environment and what you're feeling at that moment might, when you're looking back at it, might help you understand, oh, that's why I felt the way that I did. I could have avoided it X, Y, Z, and taking that into consideration as well. So that's what I have for you for chronic illness. Um, you can find my podcast, One, Two, Three Mom Squad. It is a health and wellness based podcast. It is not just for moms, but it is geared towards women, um, all about the holistic and um, you know side of our health and wellness. And it, I talk all about pretty much any anything. Everything is there. I have a lot of guest speakers that speak in their expertise as well. Um, and there's other information on my website at 123momsquad.com. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. You're welcome. Absolutely. Dr. James, you're muted. <laughs> um, thank you, Jenna. I think my computer gives my lag there. So I want to um, give a shout out to our sponsors. We have one last speaker um, after our speaker. Our host, Gigi Sabat, will have some closing remarks, and then we'll actually have prayer. And then if we have any questions, Gears, or any of the speakers that shared their experience or expertise today, we'll also do that as well. So Ragnay Sinekis, she's the founder of World Women's Conference and Awards, WWCA, Women Entrepreneurs, TV, Changemakers, Coach, and she's a public speaker. Michael D. Butler, he is the CEO of Beyond Publishing, book publisher, global speaker. Danielle Gomez, he's a keynote speaker, corporate trainer, executive coach, company's architect, and author. Bellamy Ake, she is the founder of Everyday Leaders, professional coaching and consulting. And me, I am the CEO and founder of Design Against by Lakeisha and host of Talks with Lakeisha. Now, I did have something that Christina had brought to my attention. Um, one moment, let me pull that up. Christina, I think I lost our chat. Hold on one second. I think I lost our chat. Um, yes, I just, I, I, I wanted yes. to, if it's okay, just because I think this is really important point for anybody dealing with OCD only because I've seen this in my clinical practice. A lot of therapists see this is that, um, just for anybody listening, if you have OCD and, and you're listening to different strategies and different tools, just to always be mindful as anything with OCD, anything can be a compulsion. So when we're hearing about, you know, doing like a grounding exercise, right, or even prayer or um, anything else that people want to do, right, being, again, really aware that a person with OCD can start to lean on those in a compulsive fashion versus using them for the purpose that they're meant for. Um, so just really want to encourage folks to make sure if you haven't had treatment to make sure you get the right treatment so that you can learn the difference between those things so that then you can, you know, if it's faith-based, re-engage with your faith from that state of, you know, love and faith and connection, or if you're wanting to use, um, you know, grounding tool, making sure you're using it when you need it, not as a compulsion to avoid something because 
us, anybody with OCD, right, we're really good about kind of sneaking some rituals in and trying to avoid things. So making sure that we're really holding ourselves accountable and just being clear on that. Thank you so much for that, Christina. And our last speaker is Kelly Hall. Kelly is a certified holistic health and wellness coach, trust resilience and mental wellness trainer, nutritionist, psychologically practitioner, certified life coach, speaker, author, and mental health advocate. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our last speaker, Kelly Hall. Hi there, thank you. Appreciate being here with you today. Um, so, I'm all those things now, but I certainly wasn't um, when I had sudden onset OCD at 23, um, which is 30 years ago now. And um, when that happened to me, it was, uh, like I say, it was really sudden. I had had some little bit of anxiety issues before that, but it was debilitating very quickly for me. And I basically spent three months in bed. I could barely get out of bed. Um, I could shower for an hour at a time and nothing was ever clean enough for me. Um, so kind of being the last one here and hearing everyone's stories, yeah. We all have a little similar weave to some of this. Um, but yeah, that was a really, really hard time in my life. And um so I went on medication and in fact, at, at a one time I was on like, you know, basically a whole handful of medication every day, uh, went back to talk therapy and, you know, I kept looking for an answer that was better because I knew there had to be something different, better and more than what I was doing. Um, I just didn't know what it was, but I knew there had to be something more. And so through several years of, you know, trial and error and doing different things and different medications. Um, you know, I, I finally found, um, you know, for me, it's kind of a fast forward, but, um, I, that, so at 23, all that was going on with me. And then in 2006, my daughter was born. Um, and another similarity, she has autism. Um, and she has those OCD tendencies as well. And, um, you know, and I'm always like, yeah, is that from me or is that her own, just her own thing, you know, but um, through her, I, I learned all about gut health and how important that was and that most kids with autism have gut health issues. And, you know, this, this started 15 years ago now, and um, we were hooked up with an MD who turned kind of a natural path more of a holistic. And he really, he had a teenage son at the time and really was looking into that whole connection between the gut and the brain. And he was pretty ahead of his time at the time. And um, so I started researching, delved into that as much as I could to try to help our daughter. And um, in 2020, I actually published a book called Mind Your Gut. And it is all about mental health, gut health, the gut and brain connection. Um, so what, once my daughter came along, um, is really when I learned what that whole connection piece was between the gut and the brain and how much that could make a big difference and, um, was like, well, what, what's good for the daughter might be good for the mother, you know? So, um, I just delved in all I could to figure all of that out. Um, so again, my different, better, and more was actually, ended up being addressed through my daughter, um, as well as figuring out that, um, because I had done 
you know, all the talk therapy. And then in 2000, I think 10, I did a year long exposure response prevention therapy, um, which did help me. It did help me immensely. Um, but really it wrecked havoc on my body because, um, while they were helpful in here's the things you need to do, what they weren't helpful on at that time was, okay, you're going to be stressed out to the max. You're going to be putting your body through fight or flight all the time. And here are some things you need to be doing to take care of yourself so you don't get in a worse physical position. Um, and so sadly, again, through trial and error, floundering around is how I've learned all the things I have. Um, but that's why my passion is to help other people, you know, so they don't have to flounder, go through all the things I did. and. Um, you know, then I can help them not have to go through all of it. So um, some of the things that I learned were, you know, using techniques to calm the nervous system to get out of fight or flight. Uh, things I like to use, like one of my favorites is the four, four, six breathing. I know somebody a little bit ago talked about the box breathing. It's similar um, in the four, four, six, though, you're breathing in for four, holding for four, letting out for six. So you're exhaling longer. Um, and it actually does calm the body down, calm the nervous system. So your body doesn't still think you're in fight or flight. Um, I like to do havening, which is like rubbing down your arms, calming the nervous system as well. And if anybody tries any of these techniques, um, again, somebody said earlier, not everything works for everyone and it doesn't. Um, but I like to have that whole full list of things like people can try and then they go through things and figure out, you know, what does work for them. Another great one is grounding, grounding your feet like out in the grass or on the concrete works. Um, as well as getting out in nature. That's really important to lower stress levels, to get you out of anxiety. Um, and while you're doing these techniques to calm the nervous system, it's also important to be putting in things that you know you find joyful and joyous and enjoying yourself. And um, once you're building all these things in, then you're building up your stress resilience, your anxiety resilience, so you can bend but not break. <laughs> So those are all super important. Um, and then I just wanted to talk about um, on the gut health part, just a few things people can do that are real easy to optimize their gut health. And um, that is particularly important for any mental health condition, OCD, as 80% of your serotonin is actually produced in the gut, not in the brain. So I can take all the Prozac I want, but if my body isn't producing the serotonin that it needs, then it's not, it's going to help, but it's not going to help a lot. So it makes a really big difference. Um, so a couple easy things people can do for their gut health. And then that therefore is gut and brain together, um, sending those signals, um, stimulating the vagus nerve is really good. Um, you can do that by humming, by gargling, by singing. Um, and when I say humming, I don't mean just a, like a kind of a flat tone hum, like just, mm -hmm, but it's more engaging your full mouth, your full palate and your, your throat and getting it all in there, um, because that will actually engage that vagus nerve. And so, um, like a, a really stealth humming, like, mm -hmm. 
I know it looks ridiculous and sounds ridiculous, but, um, and I, I have some clients who I'm like, do it with me. And they're like, no, maybe I'll try it later. You know, I'm like, well, you know, it's going to help you. So as you may have seen, like you, you can, you can tell that I'm moving it around in the mouth and really stimulating that. Um, Also the, the gargling, you could just gargle some water. It doesn't have to be mouthwash or anything, but just that same will stimulate back here in the throat and up through the mouth Um, and also singing. Um, And so, you know, some people might sing in the car or they might sing in the shower or, you know, but just belt out a big tune and, you know, you can be alone and do that. Um, so those are a few vagus nerve stimulators, which help the gut and brain connect better. Um, nourishing food, like things with high fiber are great. Probiotics and prebiotics, uh, fermented foods like sauerkraut. Um, this isn't like a canned sauerkraut, but a fresh sauerkraut that actually has living probiotics in it. Um, and that will actually, um, not only are you feeding yourself right then, but also the bacteria colonies can grow more in your gut um, and grow, it does grow the good bacteria that you need. Um, and helping also reducing your stress levels in any, in any way will help your gut health as well. So that's kind of what I wanted to cover today. Just a few like holistic type things, because if we if we cover, you know, our gut health for mental health, our physical health for mental health, um, and our spirit being get out there and have some fun, enjoy yourself, and you know, do some painting, photography, go on a, a nature walk, whatever that is for you. That and once you're doing these different things to help, you know, build this resilience, then when those OCD triggers come in and you're starting to spin out. You know, when you, when you have some resilience about you, then, you know, it's not going to spin out so far. You're going to be able to bring it back in a little bit quicker, which is really great for any of us that have had OCD thoughts. We know that the, the sooner we can tame them down, the better. So that's kind of for today what I wanted to cover. And if you wanted to know more about the whole gut brain, then my book is full of science, but it's easy to read. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you for Thank all you very much that um, share your experience with OCD. And we're going to have some closing words for our host, Yuji Sabat, and then we're going to close out in prayer. Thank you, Dr. James. Wow, absolutely amazing. We heard from amazing speakers from all over the world today. Thank you. And thank you all for being here with us today, whether it's on the virtual platform or on the back end. We truly appreciate you. And thank you to all of our sponsors. And my goodness, I can't tell you enough. We covered a lot as it relates to OCD. We, we also discussed gut health today. We talked about anxiety. We talked about the mindset. We talked about chronic illness, living with that and OCD. Oh my goodness. And we talked about so many other topics, so important. And then we also talked about some of the research that is supported by reliable sources. And again, I, I, I reiterate that because it's so important. All of the research mentioned today is backed by a reliable source. So important. And, and so many other components that were touched today as far as being calm because of faith. I want to circle back to that because I think it's so important in regards to OCD. The fact that your faith keeps you calm. So important. And then also uh, another speaker mentioned today, being present in the moment. And, and also too, you know your body best. 
and listen to your body. And two more things here, be aware of the symptoms and know the triggers. So important. And again, I appreciate each and every one of you for touching base on those important facts today. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to close on in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, for this day. We thank you for this day that you've made, and we are exceedingly rejoicing. We thank you for each and every person on this platform today to share their experience, Father, with OCD, Father. We know our story is not for us, it's for someone else, Father. If we impact one person, we've done our job. We thank you so much, Father, for giving us the voice for the voices. We thank you so much for giving us the encouragement, Father, the strength, Father, to carry on to share our story, Father. We thank you, Father, for waking us up this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, on the journey that you have us on, Father. We thank you for the past. We thank you for the President, we thank you for the future. We thank you for the ones that's watching this second part. We, we ask that you continue to bless them, touch each and every person on this platform, touch each and every person that's attached to this person on this platform. Thank you so much for our host, Gigi Sabat, Father. You have gave her so many things to birth, Father, and she's birthing that, Father. We ask you continue to bless her, bless each and every person that is watching, each and every person that gave their voice today, Father. And we thank you for everything that you're doing, Father. And as you are saying, no weapon porn against us shall prosper. Every time the shall rise up against the judgment, you shall condemn, Father. OCD is, is, is just, it's the weapon, Father, and it will not prosper. We will continue to walk with you. We will continue to share our story for anyone who wants to listen that needs to hear our voice, Father. We give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And remember, if you're living with OCD, never give up and keep going and keep the faith no matter what. Thank you all. Mm -hmm. God bless you and be safe. Thank you.